Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What up, everybody? This is Rob Brandt. And this is Rick Brandt, and we are the Brothers Brandt. Welcome back to episode 102, March Madness with ESPN's Seth Greenberg. Seth, welcome to the Brothers Brandt podcast. Man, I feel like this is like, you know, like I'm, I'm like, a, what do you call it? Mr. Wonderful over here. So I'm dealing with you guys ready to make a presentation on Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I, pre- I, I don't know the direction of that, but I appreciate it. So yeah. <laughs> we would invest. I mean, that's the big introduction. We're the brothers brand, and we're going to sell you this. <laughs> Seth Greenberg, if you're selling us something, we're buying it for the record. I'll buy. I'll buy all day. I just want to know if you're getting paid for that advertisement and that fuel stuff. You're darn that's right wrong. we are. You're darn right we are. Right. There you go. There Legal, you go. Legally like obligated to keep this in the screen. <laughs> I hear you. Sounds good. Awesome. Hey, Rick, why don't you do why don't you do our listeners a favor and introduce the legend over here? Robbie, it would be my honor and privilege to introduce to our listeners, Mr. Seth Greenberg. In our opinion, this is the greatest ESPN analyst that they've ever had. This man has coached for over three decades. Okay. He has coached Long Beach State, the University of South Florida, Virginia Tech, of course two-time ACC coach of the year. He is a fairly Dickinson University alumni. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer in our book. And this man, Rob, he co-hosts on ESPN, the Bald Men podcast on campus with Lafonso Ellis and Jay Billis. So without further ado, our favorite ESPN analyst, Mr. Seth Greenberg. I mean, that's a big time. That's a big time introduction. I'm, I'm, I don't know how I can follow that up. I mean, you should say that I put up with Jay Billis during the Bald Men on Campus podcast. And LaFonso Ellis is kind of the peacekeeper of the whole thing. Great, great <laughs> podcast, by the way. I was listening to it this morning. So I was getting, uh, getting ready to listen. I love it. It's great. You were the one who listened to it. Yeah, yeah, that was that was me. The the, the tech yeah. today, that was me. Yeah, I appreciate. We that. have the same thing, Seth, with our mother. You know, she tunes in, she listens to the podcast. We get our viewership. <laughs> awesome. Exactly right. <laughs> send it, send it in, big fella. Uh, <laughs> did you know? Did you know Raft actually uh, coached at Fairleigh Dickinson uh, Florham Park for six years? Yes, I did. I did know that. In fact, uh, when I spoke to the Fairleigh Dickinson Madison student athletes, uh, they brought me and showed me the picture of Raph on the wall in the Hall of Fame. That's awesome. Love that. Yeah. Love, yeah. love Raph. Love Raph. Who doesn't love Raph? He's the man. He was on our podcast and he was absolutely hilarious. So here's the 
bullshit about you guys because you told him he was the greatest analyst in the history of college basketball. No, 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 no. We said he was the oldest analyst in college basketball. And he almost <laughs> hung up. And he almost hung up. <laughs> Probably would have been a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rob, let's get into right. this. I no. want to learn a little bit more about this legend. So, so Seth, Seth, you grew up in Long Island, and then you, you know, Fairleigh Dickinson was where you played basketball. So. Harvard on the Hackensack, yes. Yep, yep, Hackensack. What was like your favorite high school memory of playing basketball out in Long Island? And what was your favorite Fairleigh Dickinson memory? Uh, well, again, we call Fairleigh Dickinson Harvard on a Hackensack because it's right on a Hackensack. It's, you know, world-class academic institution yeah. in Northern New Jersey. We Did you, my brother Did you not hear down. us talking? Did you not hear us talking when you left the room? We were talking about Harvard. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you know, in high school, I played with Mark Ivoroni, who played for the Sixers, won an NBA championship. Um, you know, probably my 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 mo most vivid memory is actually the last game we lost. We lost on a half-court bank shot, which was absolutely brutal. Uh, but I look, I had great I played one year with my brother. I was I was a sophomore starting point guard. He was he was the two-guard, he was a terrific player, averaged about 35 points a game that year. My job was to inbound the ball to him. Uh and he went and did his thing. Uh you know, just, you know, the biggest thing when you look back at high school is that there's a core group, both at high school and college, quite honestly, there's a core group of us have still to this day, a lot of years later, have all stayed in touch. And I think the greatest memory is that we still have the memory, uh, that we still have the relationships. You know, actually, my group at Fairleigh Dickinson, we started a group organization called Teammates for Life. And we raised money for former players in the state of New Jersey, especially also in Fairleigh Dickinson that have either fallen on hard times or dealing with medical issues, or, you know, we've helped pay for funerals. We've helped pay for college tuitions. We've done a lot of, you know, really positive things. So to me, the thing you remember the most is impacting other people, you know, and, and, and the friendships and relationships that you have. Probably the best memory though, as a player was, you know, was a tough loss uh, because we, you know, we got to the point where we had, you know, we had a chance to play for a county championship and uh, played Sasset and lost on a brutal shot. But, uh, you know, Mark Averroni ended up head coach in Memphis Grizzlies at one point, and I went to Virginia, we helped uh, win an ACC championship, and, you know, all the bright, there's a place in Long Island called the Paramount, which is a big uh, kind of theater restaurant, uh, has all times of big time acts. Brian Doyle, he, he owns it, and uh, he's a, he, he used to be Hall & Oates' road manager. Really? So there's, wow. a, there's a group of us that have all stayed together, and, and, and that's a pretty cool thing. That's amazing. And what and uh, what was it like playing for Al Labaldo? Did that shape like your your coaching career? Yeah, Coach Lowe was uh, he was unique. I, I went to Fairleigh Dickinson because I wanted to because of him because he was such well you know respected coach. I mean, he was the guy that was right there in terms of one of the great minds of defensive basketball, ball you man defense and playing in gaps and closing out and, and everything. And I and I remember when my senior year, he brought me up to the office. Uh, and coach was a pretty, he was an interesting guy to say the least, but he brought me to the office and he said, look, you little shit. I said, that was basically my name. He said, you're going to have your own team one day. And he said, all these things that we're doing every single day, you're going to realize back, you know, that you're going to do every single day with your team. And this will be the foundation of what you do with your own team. And quite honestly, a lot of it was, a lot of it was, uh, he was a tough guy, he coached you hard demanded of you I mean, we weren't in the league back then so and we were like everyone's guarantee game everyone's homecoming 
But uh, yeah, yeah, he was right. He, he was right. But he he was a character. Like I was telling the story. It's, it's like one of the great stories. Is my freshman year. I come into practice and there are 15 chairs lined up at the free throw line. Here I am, a freshman. I'm excited. I'm enthusiastic. Let's go. And uh, the assistant coach, Dick Wiseman, tells us to all sit down. So I'm sitting down and I'm, I'm nervous. I'm ready to go rock and roll. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Five minutes go by, nothing. Ten minutes go by, nothing. All of a sudden, 15 minutes go by, Coach Lowe comes walking down and he's chewing on his cigar like he used to. And he had these big ass glasses. And uh, he walks in front of us and he had his pants on because he never wore shorts and he had the skinniest legs in the world. So when he walked, it looked like he had no legs. <laughs> like, you just want to start your first practice and he stopped right in front of us and said hey i'm your coach alabama I'm like really i mean dude like you all recruited all of us we know you're our coach and now you're like what's going on and he goes i want you to like me a lot not to love me because loving leads to screwing and he didn't say screwing and no one screws with alabama and that was my first meeting uh, as a freshman player, my first real practice. So it was, uh, it was different, uh, but he was a great coach and the ball, you man stuff that we did and, and the foundation of our shell defense and our closeouts and our help and recover and our early help. And uh, a lot of the things that I did, you know, basically we, you know, we did with him now, you know, I kind of took that as the foundation and then we did a lot of switching, changing defenses, some other things as a coach, but it was a, uh, he was a great coach and it was a, you know, it was a good time. I mean, like, like I said, we were everyone, you know, we, we weren't in a league. We were everyone's guarantee game and we got our ass kicked a bunch. My favorite memory is that we went to Georgia and we won at Georgia. Jack Dorsey wow. was a very good player at Georgia. What was, that? What, was the we, score? what was the score? It was in the fifties. I mean, it was, it was a rock fight. And, and I, I took a charge on Jack Dorsey towards the end of the game. He just ran over me. boom, And I basically got knocked out for a second. I mean, he was like six, eight, 260 and he was an animal and great player great player and my head hits the ground and i'm out i'm out there a second from what my teammate said is he came over and he was so excited he's like you thought like are you okay and he was grabbing my jersey and like telling me you know what a great guy oh, great yeah yeah and from what my my roommates were telling me, he said, Granny, your head was bouncing off the floor. He had no idea you were basically knocked out. But we ended up winning the game, which was, was a pretty cool thing to go to Georgia and win a game fairly Dickinson. That was a that was a pretty that was a pretty cool moment. That is epic. That's awesome. Now switching gears, uh, going to your coaching career, you know, you were um, back in the 80s, you were a part of Virginia Tech's team that went to the final four, right? Um, you know, no, Virginia's team. Virginia's Virginia, team. sorry, Virginia's team. And then uh, Long Beach State for uh, six years, then USF, and then nine years at Virginia Tech. What are your top three favorite memories of coaching? You know, I don't like to separate them because, uh, you know, I think you know, probably the top one was you know, my first job. I mean, I'm, I graduated fairly Dickinson. The next day I got the, the assistant coach job at Columbia University. I mean, which was a pretty cool thing. You know, 21 years old, assistant coach at Columbia University was you know, we had a really good team that year. Alton, we actually beat Penn. Penn went to the Final Four that year. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, obviously going to the Final Four with Virginia uh, was a really cool thing. Terry Holland, who I always have a philosophy, everyone needs a mentor. Coach Holland had been my mentor uh, and really kind of gave me a chance to grow as a coach and uh, enabled me to get the Miami job as an assistant coach. And then obviously I left there, went to Long Beach State as an assistant coach, became a head coach. So that, you know, Coach Holland really, you know, kind of in a lot of ways, 
you know, changed my career direction. Uh, you know, becoming a head coach for the first time, you know, uh, you know, one of the youngest head coaches in the country at Long Beach State, uh, beat number one team in the country, Kansas, beat number one church in Duke, getting the Virginia Tech job, uh, you know, good, taking a team, you know, multiple teams to the NCAA tournament. I mean, there's so many good memories, so many good players. And, you know, it's really about having a great staff and having good players. I mean, it really is. And then, you know, the greatest reward for a coach is to help build a bridge for them, your players to cross, to have improve themselves. And to see a players go from the recruiting process to playing for you to graduating to husbands and fathers and successful well after it. You know, so and your your relationship with your players change as you go through that. But you know, I take a lot of pride, especially during COVID. We got a lot of we had some podcasts, uh, not podcasts, uh, some Zoom calls with literally player first player I recruited when I was assistant at Columbia to the last player I recruited when I was at Virginia Tech. So 70, 80 players on a Zoom call, all obviously telling crazy stories about the crazy head coach, yeah. but also talking about the world and society, the problems we're having and the pandemic and, 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 and the social injustice things that were going on and are still going on in, in the world. And it was a really, really cool way to bring my family together. Mm. You know, you're talking about, you know, from when I was an assistant coach at Columbia at 21 years old to my last team, you know, at at Virginia Tech where I was 55 years old. So, I mean, and that's 34 years of, of players. Uh, and it was, it was really something that was really impactful to me. Uh, and, you know, now obviously doing what I'm doing now is, is, is it's a totally different world. So I'm with the person I impact as a gambler now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is neither of us, by the way, we are just True, genuine. No, fan. I can understand. No, no money riding on this on this March Madness. I swear. So, <laughs> I understood. Rob understood. doesn't live too far from Atlantic City, Seth. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. I just want to know if you went to the Masters or you just bought the shirts online. We work there every year, and it would be an honor to one day see you down there. Do you go often? No, I've never been. I'm not a big shot like you two. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we, we, we have it. We have the Masters now. We have the first two rounds of Masters ESPN. So I might have to hit up the suits and get a couple of tickets to go see it. Well, I can assure you, if you do, we will see you in Augusta. Seth, we are going to be yeah. down there in a couple of weeks. Do you want us to pick you up uh, any swag by any chance? Yeah. He looks like a I, medium. You look like a medium. Nah, I wish I was a medium. I'm not a medium, uh, but I'm in good shape, but I'm not a medium. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Last year, my man Lonto Griffin played in there, who uh, is on tour. He's a Blacksburg kid. And, uh, you know, I've been by there. I haven't played there. I played Sage Valley. We get a group of guys. We go down to Sage Valley, which is a pretty good track. That's awesome. Are you, are you a big golfer? I am now. I wasn't when I was coaching. I caddied through high school and college, actually, in, in, in uh, Long Island, a place called Lake Success Country Club. Eight years, same people every single weekend for eight years, which is pretty bizarre. But um, yeah. now it's the only competition I get. So uh, I'm not a good golfer, but I'm a damn good competitor. Love that. You you give me a stroke on, on, on nine right here at Golf Club Haven, I'm going to whoop your ass, I can tell you that. <laughs> you, you grew up a stone's throw away from Beth Page, so I, I, I'm sure yep. you played there a handful Yeah, times. I did. I mean, again, I was... You know, we'd go over there. The only time we ever go over there when it rained and it would stop raining, we'd rush over there so we'd get on the course. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I was the worst player probably to ever play on Beth Page Black because I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I caddied. That's how I learned how to play golf. I've never taken a lesson. I'm a, I'm a good 10, though. I can tell you that much. I was the worst player, Seth. I'm the worst player to ever play there. So <laughs> you know, I was all over the place. You got yeah, one, two, and three on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But uh, yeah, I, I love to play now. It's, you know, it's, it's a way to compete, and, you know, kind of test yourself, especially when you got a couple of dollars on the line, kind of raises your temperature. Yeah, exactly. I'll uh, we'll, I'll be sure to make a note when we go down in a couple of weeks to uh, snag something. So there you go. There you go. Do you have the jitters halfway through the day from drinking too much coffee? Are you tired at two o'clock after the coffee wears out? Are you ready to take a nap, a midday nap just to get through the day? Well, not anymore. Brain fuel was designed from a scientific point of view with function in mind. Not by some big wig beverage industry veterans looking to capitalize on trends. Brain fuel was developed through an authentic desire to give mental athletes the fuel they need to be successful. Use the code BRANT15 on brainfuel.com to receive 15% off your order. That's brain fuel, B R E I N. F-U-E-L, and use the code BRANT15 for 15% off. Um, awesome. Rick, hey, you want to take it over? I, it would be my honor to take it over from here. I want to talk a little bracketology. I want to talk a little March Madness with the legend himself. This year, we've got all these student athletes competing for the beads on Bourbon Street, Seth. Walk us through what it's like on Selection Sunday when your team gets called. Well, I can tell you what it's like when your team doesn't get called and you think you're getting in. It sucks. Uh, but yeah, I've had my team called three times. Obviously, as an assistant coach at Pitt and at Virginia and other places, obviously, we've made the tournament. And, uh, it's a great feeling because it's a culmination of not everyone looks at it just the season. There's so much more that goes into it than the season. I mean, when you think about it, it's it's the journey. It's the workouts in the summer. It's the getting your team together and trusting each other. It's getting your team together and defining roles. It's getting, putting together a plan and then having the agility to change if that plan isn't working uh, or adjust uh, as players get better or get, players get injured and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, when you see your name pop up, it's a, it's a pretty cool feeling. And, uh, and then you got to get back to work. You know, you got a short period of time to put together your scouting reports. And, and basically, you're putting together scouting reports for four teams. That's it. The team you're going to play and then the other two teams in your pod. Everyone thinks, oh, you got to worry about 60, 18. No, you don't have to worry. You know, every, every team that plays is in a 14 pod. And you're, you're dealing with what's in front of you. You have both feet on the ground, right? And what, what the team you play is. And then you have one assistant or two assistants and a manager and a video guy working on the potential scout for the other team, the other game in your pot. So, but it's a great feeling. I mean, it's a great feeling. And then there's an anxiety. I mean, and, you know, there's an anxiety of, you know, you want to go out there and you want to play it up at a high level and, and play well. I mean, it sounds crazy, but you know, everyone's four game, four game win streak away from getting in the final four. And you can get hot at the right time. Yeah. Now you can get hot and that's not be good enough, but like my Virginia team that we went to the final four, uh, with Coach Holland, we weren't one of the four best teams in the country. We, you know, we beat we beat Indiana, who beat North Carolina, and we won three games in the last possession. So, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is, but it's a it's a good feeling. 
And you talked about breaking down the March Madness, this daunting 64 or 68 team bracket into four teams, like a pod. And uh, once Coach K was quoted as having done something similar to that, where does that philosophy come from? Is it just a way to manage what could come next? Well, it's just, look, you can't can't worry about who's on the other side of the bracket. You can't worry about who's on the other side of of the East. You got to worry about what's in front of you. So, I mean, well, why you're not you're not going to get it. You got all the time in the world to prepare for the the next pod. I mean, teams are going to get beat. I mean, like a perfect example. So, Gonzaga. All right, they they don't have to they don't have to worry about uh, anyone but their first two potential opponents. That's it. And then you know then they've got to worry about what happens after that. So right now, Gonzaga's they they're basically locked in on their first opponent, and then someone on their staff will deal with obviously. Uh, you know, the, um, I guess it would be the winner of, of Memphis and whomever that is. So that, that's all, that's all, that's all you got to be on uh, Memphis, Boise State, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. That's uh, correct. Yeah. Well, let's so, talk about it then. Let's talk about Virginia Tech. Let's talk about Texas. What do you see in that matchup right there? What do you like? It all depends on how the game's going to be fishing. If they let them beat the crap out of each other, it's advantage Texas. If they if they call a game to the rules of the game, it's a huge advantage for Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has Mutz and Aluma. They are a tough matchup. They're better inside scores and passers than anyone Texas has on a perimeter. Uh, the the intricacies of the Virginia Tech offense is, is legitimately now. If they let them beat the crap out of each other, it's a huge advantage for Texas. Texas is an elite defensive team, an elite defensive team, but they can't score it. They don't have enough ways to score it. Uh, Marcus Carr hasn't been consistent. Their most consistent player is Timmy Allen, and he's best cutting and playing off the ball. Uh, you know, Courtney Rainey can make shots, but again, hasn't been consistent. Uh, you know, Andrew Jones is a great story, but hasn't been consistent. And none of the big guys they got, like Trey Mitchell's left the team, taking a leave of absence. Dylan Dissu has not been the answer. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's a tough game for him. Well, one of the things that I think Rob and I enjoy and probably a lot of the listeners out there enjoy is that you've always told it straight. You've never been one of these people that have been a homer on TV that are always pulling for their team, you know, like some of your coworkers. I'm not going to throw any of your bald friends under the bus here that are always rooting for their alumni. But how far do you think Virginia Tech realistically can go this year? Realistically, I think they have a shot at Purdue. The second round, I mean, and, and they would give Kentucky a problem just because of their offense, but they have a shot at Purdue because they can invert their offense. They can pull, you know, again, if, they, if they're going to play Edie and and those guys, I mean, uh, that that could be a problem. And then the other thing is that one thing about Purdue is they've struggled guarding, uh, guard, guarding, basically guarding in general. And the intricacies of, of Virginia Tech's offense, if they're making shots like they did against Duke the other day or did against North Carolina or did against – Notre Dame, you they want they beat the second, third, and fourth seed in the in the ACC tournament. All so, right, that not that the league was very good this year. I, I agree with you. I, I feel the same way. I don't know if they more people much, do. Not much past the Sweet Sixteen, really. Not this year. Maybe next year. But okay. So let me ask you this: Is there a Cinderella team? Is there a double-digit seed out there that can find themselves in New Orleans? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't see a double digits getting to New Orleans. I mean, if you, you look at it, I mean, you know, like who are the best? Not uh, you know, double digit seeds. Uh, no, I you know, Texas Tech obviously is not a double digit seed. Uh, North Carolina's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they're an eight. 
Uh, I think they would have a hard time getting by. I think they can get by Baylor, but I don't think they can get by UCLA. Uh, Virginia Tech probably has the greatest shot because they're not an 11 seed. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, they they went into the ACC tournament on the bubble, but they left, you know, with wins that are significant. Like they weren't in the NCAA tournament with Clemson when they let uh, Clemson Clemson gets a hand up and stops that that shot from going in. And they're, they're in the NIT. They win the Clemson game and they lose to Notre Dame. They're in the NIT. They win that game and beat Notre Dame. They're in the NIT because they're an 11 seed, which means, if, if they, you know, they're an automatic qualifier. So an automatic qualifier they're the, is the lowest automatic qualifier that's not in a playing game. Wow. I love this. I love this. You only get this on the brother's brand from Seth Greenberg. Rob, do you see what he's dropping right here? Hot fire. It's amazing. Seth, it's amazing. I tell you, I mean, just the brothers branch just bring out the very best of me. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here. What? All right. Who's cutting down the nets? Who's cutting down the nets? We've heard a lot of predictions on TV. It's not my, too much change. You want it? You want me to change? Uh, no, I got Arizona. I've got Arizona. They're an explosive offensive team. Uh, they play at warp speed. I love big wing guys. Uh, Benrick Matherin and Dallin Terry are both can defend, both can drive, they both can make plays. Uh, Terry's a terrific, terrific passer. Coloco's improved. Uh, Kirk Chrisa, Chrisa being out is a little bit of a concern, but I actually think the ball's in Matherin's hands and Terry's hands more, which is actually a good thing. And Turbellis is a tough matchup. I think them, if they played Gonzaga uh, for a championship, it would be an 87-85 game. Uh, I think that the Zags probably not as good defensively, uh, but Obviously, farm bill. Seth, we're going to make a deal right here. Rob and I are going to go to Augusta. We're going to send you that medium polo. And that extra large would fit better, but that's okay. Fair enough, fair enough. I did if, my Ar- if Arizona wins the bracket, we're going to have you back this time next year. We're going to do another bracketology segment. You okay with that? Is that a threat or a promise? <laughs> it's an ask. It's an ask. <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> that's right, a deal. All right, good, good. I want to ask a fun question here, then we're going to turn it over to Rob for a little uh, last segment here. If you were putting together a starting lineup, now this could be a team of five. You're the coach, okay? So a team of five out on the court, but not basketball players, influential people in your life. They could be basketball players. They could be coaches. They could be family. But who has meant the most to you in your life? Obviously, your 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 parents are you know shape who you are. I mean, there's no doubt about it. My dad played for the great Claire B at Long Island University. My mom is 94 years old and still sells real estate in Manhattan. It takes the subway and and and, and, and the bus. I mean, she lives. You know, she reinvented herself. Obviously, uh, my parents got divorced at a young age. She had to go to work. She worked, and then she was she was a professional artist, and then she moved to the city and she started selling real estate. And she's 94 years old, and will kick all of her asses. Uh, as she calls herself just a tough New York broad. So, uh, you know, obviously those people shape your life. I think that uh, obviously Coach Holland had a tremendous influence on me. Uh, just a person that, you know, I was coaching University of Pittsburgh. I took the fall for what someone someone else did. He saved my career. And I had never, never made a major decision in my life without uh, consulting him, including asking my wife to marry me. So I'd say he's had a pretty good influence on me. A guy named Howie Garfinkel used to run a five-star basketball camp who gave us a platform for young people that wanted to coach. It was the greatest teaching camp in probably all of uh, ever. 
And uh, you talk about guys that came out of the camp, myself, John Calipari, uh, Mike Fratello, UB Brown, uh, you name it, it's like a who's who. So I have to say Garf, God rest his soul, who's passed, uh, had a tremendous, tremendous uh, impact on kind of just building a bridge for me to cross to, to chase my passion and, you know, and give, you know, opened up a door for me to, to, to get in coaching, which I think is, is really, really important. Uh, and then probably my oldest brother, uh, my, my oldest, my middle brother, who, uh, again, was, uh, we made that journey together, chasing this dream and coaching. He at one time was the GM of the Sixers. Uh, he was an assistant coach with the Clippers. Uh, he's coached all over the world. Uh, he's had a pretty good influence. I mean, I'd say coming off the bench, my high school coach was, uh, had a great influence on me. Uh, just the, the manner in which he carried himself and uh, the even keeled nature and the way he looked at things. Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't say my wife of, you know, 34 years. You'd get your tail kicked tonight when she yeah, listens to the episode. Yeah, yeah I'm, sure she'll, I'm sure she's waiting to download it. Yeah. Uh, she's a friend know. of the pod. She's a friend of the pod. Yeah, she's a friend <laughs> of the pod. She'll look at that and she'll just delete it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, we've been together for, you know, we met in Miami when I was an assistant coach there, and I've taken her on this crazy journey where, she, you know, she went to UCLA. She was a California girl. We went in Miami. We went back to California. We've lived in Tampa. We brought it, you know, went to Blacksburg, and now we're in Avon, Connecticut. And uh, being a coach's wife is a really hard thing. It's a really hard thing. Uh, uh, you're in the spotlight. You're asked to do a lot of things that no one realized you're doing, like, putting together uh, luncheons for 600 women for American Cancer Society or raising money for the Montgomery County Christmas store or helping me with our special Olympics that we did at Virginia Tech. And, uh, you know, we get, a, I'm stand up there and I'm like, you know, the face of it and she's doing all the work. So that's about it. That is one hell of a roster, Seth. That is just I couldn't agree more. The women in our lives are also the ones that prop us up. So uh, well done on uh, making sure. I'm not that old. She doesn't have to prop me up. I mean, uh, but I don't know. You look kind of propped up. More, you know, a couple <laughs> of years, a couple of years from now, I'll probably have to get propped up. <laughs> what are you doing over here, Rick? <laughs> Seth, awesome. That's awesome. Seth, uh, just going to do a little lightning round question for you. A couple of questions um, to wrap this up. What's your uh, you promise? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, 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 we're gonna get out of here. We're gonna get out of your hair. So, um, favorite. Did you get out of my hair. Come on, yeah, now. That was yeah, on yeah. cheap. That was, that was, that was uncalled for, Rob. And fairly big. And you can look at the pictures. Flowing locks. I actually did. I have a big head of lettuce. You had a lot of lettuce there. You had a lot of lettuce. Yeah. Um, so, favorite uh, golf course you ever played? Favorite golf course I ever played? Uh, probably uh, the Ocean Course, Kiwa. It's awesome. I'm actually in Charleston right now. My wife and I bought a play uh, vacation home here in Charleston. So uh, can't hide money. What's up? Can't hide money. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be in Cuba. We're gonna we're gonna get on that course. So I, I love that's amazing. Love that. Um, so uh, funniest ESPN coworker. Funniest ESPN coworker uh, in a dry sense of the way, probably Carl Ravitch. Because Carl Ravitch, when you work with him, it, it, it's, it's actually very funny because he doesn't tell you what he's going to ask you. You don't even talk about it. He could ask you something off the wall. He's very, 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 very witty. Uh, very, very funny. Uh, he's uh, That's awesome. He's really good. He's really good. 
and he's obviously a baseball guru, but he does a great job calling games and he's just always busting chops. Love that. And then you're, you're a Long Island boy. We got two Jersey boys here. We both, we all appreciate a good pizza and, and a good bagel. So uh, what's your favorite pizza? Well, I mean, again, depends on like here. It's, it's just any corner of New York city burnt on the bottom cheese, no freaking pineapples, no prosciutto. No, I, I like it's a, Give me a good piece of cheese pizza with a little oregano on top. Got to have a significant amount of grease, and it's got to be a little. How's the flop? How's the flop? How's the flop? Just slight flop. I want to be able to just, you know, (laughs) fold it in half and stuff it down my throat. (laughs) You know, I mean, everyone like when I coached at Columbia, I mean, Ray's, Ray's, Ray's was good. He was good, but I mean, come on now. I mean, you know, like the place, you know, on 121st and and you know, Broadway was pretty damn good. Also, I mean, you know, like to me, but because they know how to cook. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's got to be a little crispy on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard New Haven, Connecticut's got a lot of great pizza too. I've heard. Yeah, it's- they, I, you know, I haven't been to the, they have the one place that, that that's very famous that I, we might, we might have to make a run over there. There's, there's a couple of good pizza places hit, here. Hit it up tonight. Hit it up tonight. I'm, 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 I'm really simple. I mean, like to me, yeah. first of all, if I find something I like, I'm going to order it every single time. It drives my wife crazy. Like we have a place, Max and me here, they have this eggplant parmesan. It's great she goes why don't you try something else I said why would I try something else I like it I was just having this conversation with my wife the other night I was like a creature of habit I know what I like I want to get it I want to get it so um and then uh you know bagel wise you go into a bagel shop what is Seth Greenberg getting on, on Real a simple what poppy toasted with cream cheese boom and a story yes <laughs> so I, have, I have a bagel bagel chalet right here on Route 44 I walk in they Throw it in the toaster, boom. Love that. Stop. Love that. I'm, I, it's it's automatic uh, for the holidays. Uh, my wife gets me the gift certificate. I go and they leave it there. They see me walking the door, coach, regular, boom. There it is. There's the poppy with cream cheese. With, with a Diet Coke. It's kind of a sick combination. That is That's a seven combination. <laughs> Seth, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, one thing we It's do- not every day I can cut it up with you know, you know, two brothers. One- Seth, this has been an absolute honor having you on. It truly was our honor. You just were so fantastic. We wish you nothing but success and uh, good times over the next few weeks. Enjoying the madness. For all you listeners out there, I'm Rick Brandt. And I'm Rob Brandt, and we're the Brothers Brandt. I love when they do that. There they go, the Brothers Brandt. I like yeah. that. That's your closing, man. That's <laughs> wonderful. What are we doing? You're going to take hey, a Seth. deal or not? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 